Hello, and welcome to I Want Her Job, the podcast. My name is Brianne Perleberg, and I'm the host of today's episode. If you're like us, you love wearing fashion that makes you feel confident and stylish. Today's leading lady creates just that, and she also takes it a step further by taking a theme of female empowerment and baking it into her brand. Who are we talking about? If you guessed Rebecca Minkoff, you are spot on. Rebecca has the ultimate girl moves to big city, girl works hard, and girl makes it story. At only 18 years old, she moved to New York City to chase her dream of making it as a fashion designer. Many hit pieces, like the morning after bag, helped catapult her accessories line to boldface name status. And in 2009, she introduced her first ready to wear collection. Now, the Rebecca Minkoff brand has domestic and international retail locations and is distributed in more than 900 stores worldwide. Additionally, as the woman behind the brand, Rebecca was named as a member of the New York State Council on Women and Girls. And in fall of last year, she established the Female Founder Collective, which features a network of businesses led by women investing in other women businesses. She's also the founder and host of Superwoman with Rebecca Minkoff. Listen in as we talk to Rebecca about her design inspirations, her business, and her new podcast. Then visit us at IWantHerJob.com for show notes and a link to our previous interview with Rebecca from 2016. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you here. Um, we first featured you on IWantHerJob.com two years ago, and you were on the cutting edge of what was trendy back then, and now we feel you still are. And one of the things we love that you've been doing lately is your I Am Many campaign. Can you explain a little bit about what inspired you to launch it and what you hope to achieve through that message? Yeah, so what we decided to do um, and kind of the inspiration for launching it was um, you know, for so long, women have been marketed to to be one thing, be brave, be bold, uh, be beautiful. And I think uh, the idea of talking to the all of a woman and all of her multidimensional nature and parts was really important to me as someone who, you know, felt like that was not being celebrated. And so it was really about taking... Uh, the idea of that and amplifying it on women you've never heard of that are all doing incredible things and inspiring others others to do so, others to share their many. Um, I also think, you know, there's great solace that can be taken in knowing that while you feel alone sometimes, you know, to know that there are many other women like you is also um, heartening. And so to sort of have that camaraderie, join those two things together that I am many internally different things but there are many of me as well and it's a nice way to think of it too I always say that I feel like I wear so many hats so it's nice to think instead that I'm actually many different parts versus different roles so to speak because that can feel a little more inauthentic you speak to a variety of women in your new podcast, uh, Superwomen with Rebecca Minkoff, and you share a lot of their stories, and it's very authentic conversation. And what would you say was your goal with launching the podcast, and what can listeners expect to hear with each episode? I think the goal with launching the podcast is, you know, over the last several years, starting with our Superwomen dinners and then our fireside chats where I would interview um women like the people I'm interviewing on the show, I was thinking to myself, I'm really lucky that I get to know these women and that my customers who come to the store are really lucky and they get to hear these women's stories. But how could I get this more broadly known and, and heard? 
and how could I take this, you know, so that anyone anywhere could wake up and get a good dose of advice and hear someone's incredible story. So um, that was kind of the goal, and podcasting just seemed like the next natural step as a way to do that. So I put my head down, figured it out, worked hard all summer, um, and really, uh, hopefully, came out with something that women like, they identify with, and that feels natural and um, accessible. I love that one of the questions you ask in each episode is, what is something surprising someone might not know about yourself? And I, I love that you take it a step further and you share some personal things about yourself as well. So it's amazing to see that, that in addition to your guests opening up, you're really revealing more of yourself to your listeners as well. I am, and I want to reveal more, but sometimes I'm like, I think I've said all the really embarrassing stuff, but I'm trying to find more embarrassing things to tell people so that they can, <laughs> you know, I think that we live in a world that's like very much glossed over and everything's perfect, and I think it's always refreshing to hear, you know, what makes someone not perfect, and, you know, hopefully it makes you laugh. I would absolutely agree, and I laugh listening to some of some of the episodes and, and some of the responses. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, for those who want to hear what we're talking about, you'll have to tune into Rebecca's podcast. Um, so, one thing I love about your brand, your brand obviously bears your name on it, um, but but it's also very much you. It's very much Rebecca. And what does it mean to you to be a feminist? I think that it's um, the idea that you know, 51% of the planet are female. So to, to ask for or to demand uh, equality, fundamental, similar rights uh, that men have had is what it means to me. It means that we figure out, yes, men and women are different and have different triggers and different things that motivate them, but bare minimum, you know, we should be able to decide what we want to do with our bodies. You know, we should be paid equal, you know, equal pay for the same title and seniority. We should, you know, have access um, to better health care, especially around, you know, giving birth and motherhood and, you know, different solutions that maybe, you know, Henry Ford came up with the work day, but he wasn't a woman who had had a baby and then, you know, needed probably more than three months maternity leave. So I think that a feminist to me is, doing work that hopefully changes all of those things so that, you know, we can have, you know, the same, the same things, um, the same rights, I guess, as, as men. Very well put. And and what would you say your customers' responses have been to you tapping more into this feminist movement that's not going anywhere anytime soon? Can you ask that a question again? It, it broke up just a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what have been your customers' responses to you tapping more into this feminist movement? It's something that doesn't seem to be going any anywhere anytime soon in society. So I see you kind of keeping it with your collections. And, and, and what has been that response like? So I think for us, just to go back, because I think for some brands, it's a very trendy thing to do, and it's very now. Um We've been we've been messaging this for a long time, you know. I think three three to four years ago we started talking about it, and it's when I became aware that I never, when I started out, said I'm a female entrepreneur. I was just an entrepreneur, right? And probably around four to five years ago, there was this idea of like, whoa, you're a woman in business, and that was novel. And and so I began to go, there's something wrong that 
there's not a lot of us. And I think we're discovering that there's not a lot of us because, uh, you know, social media has sort of made the world flat and you can see that, you know, there isn't a lot of activity happening here. So that's when I said, you know, this needs to be top of mind. So it was something that was important to me to highlight a long time ago. And then as we've gotten bigger as a brand, I think you're just seeing the amplification of that. So um, whether it's, you know, a T-shirt or being part of the Women's March or, again, you know, highlighting women on this podcast, I think those are all ways that we're, we're really focused on improving and highlighting, you know, women doing incredible things and hoping to just raise the idea that, again, we should be, thought of as equals and and not even thought of as equals but that other women just go do bigger things and change the conversation that way mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's one of the things people ask me is, what is your end goal with I want her job? And I always tell them, I'm like, I don't want it to be, I don't I don't want I want her job to exist in 10 years. I want it to be, I want this job, you know, because I, I want it to come to a point where it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman and you can have that job. And so it's been really incredible to see that that you've been a part of that movement. And I know last time we talked, um, one of the things you had put into your stores was, um, you know, the realization that like one of the mirrors made your customers look fat. <laughs> Or just not as ideal, and and you were out to change that, and um, it was you know a male who had led that design. So I thought that was that was interesting to hear about. Yeah, I mean, I think there's many different ways this can be expressed, um, and I think um, there's no bad way to do it. And I think you know some people say like, oh, is this selling feminism? I'm like, what are you supposed to do? Be a feminist on the weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, right. And for some people who feel like they don't have a voice, um, wearing a T-shirt is is their best way to, to say something that they feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I agree. I, I love your girl power tote bag. I use it every single day. <laughs> it's my it's oh, my wonderful okay. laptop case. Yeah. And I love the zipper on top of it. It's awesome. Um, so, you know, speaking more about women, who, who are some of the women that you admire that have had an impact on your life? I mean, I always say my mom, um, you know, tough love is always, I think, good. Um, not tough in, as in a mean way, but if you want this, I'm not going to, you know, buy it for you, but you're going to figure out how to make money or make it yourself. Um, I think, you know, some of the early women that helped, uh, you know, grow our business, the first woman who ever sold our handbags, um, and then, you know, these days I'm around incredible female entrepreneurs, whether it's Jacqueline Johnson from Create and Cultivate to, you know, Christine Barbaric, the global editor-in-chief of Refinery, to Sally Kotchak, the founder of, you know, Elvest. I think those are all, like, women who do big things. They're not necessarily in fashion, but, you know, they've built incredible businesses and they're really smart. And so I think those are some of the women that keep me inspired. And uh, what would you say is a mindset that you aim to bake into your culture at your office? Definitely one of entrepreneurial um, skills and thinking. We don't really have um, anyone here who's boxed into any one job. And we want people to think out of the box, to take territory that, um, you know, might be right next to them and really just be an entrepreneur within your own sphere. 
and the ones that have done that have gone on to have really successful careers, whether it's within the company or not. So I definitely think don't, you know, don't confine yourself to a box. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing is, is you know, when we last talked, um, you've, you've always been very digitally savvy. And you mentioned that Snapchat was something that was where it was at for your customers. And what changes have you seen in the last few years to, to your girl in the digital space? And where does your strategy now aim to meet your customer? I think for us, it's always evolving. Um, obviously, it goes without saying, you know, Instagram is definitely key. Um, I think we're trying to give reasons or give a girl more reasons to talk about herself. We know that she, you know, most people love doing that on social. And so how do you create more moments where she can do that, whether um, it's an Instagrammable space um, or uh you know, adding to a conversation that we're having with her online, I think that our goal would be that, you know, she really feels a connection to us through our social and that we're not just a brand, but there's an actual human behind it. Um, and so how do we how do we take her along for the ride, but also know that, you know, sometimes she's in the driver's seat as well. Mm-hmm. I like that. And you're someone who always seems to be leading the trends and thinking toward the future. So where do you find inspiration when you're seeking out discovery of new trends? Where are some spaces that you go to? Definitely travel um, is something, you know, I do a lot for work, but to be able to see all different parts of the world, um, museums, great art books, uh, music, I think those are all different places where I sort of go to find and then I'm you know not gonna lie being being connected and seeing what um, my customer likes you know what she what she's interested in um, I think it's always good because you see that you know if she if she's gravitating to more long dresses and that's something I'm definitely gonna have you know in my line as well how important would you say data is to the creation of each collection that you debut I think it's becoming increasingly more important, um, and I think to not pay attention to it is suicide. We want to make sure that, you know, the data is telling you something, and so you should you should listen to it um, because it's giving you great insights that um, prior to social media, it was hard to get. So I think we definitely pay a lot of attention to it, but it's always in, you know, through our lens, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you work in the fashion industry and um, it can be, as you've discussed on your podcast, especially a few years ago, it was quite cutthroat where women were kind of sometimes cutting each other out of the conversation. Or I know in your interview with Hillary Kerr, she talked about editors would leave one magazine and go to another and they wouldn't speak to each other. But it seems like you're part of a group that's really out there to buck that trend and change that. And how important would you say that that collaboration is to you personally and do you still see that type of stuff in the fashion industry it's definitely still there um i think it's probably being held there by a generation uh i want to say above me that that's how they learned that's how they were treated and that's how they're gonna you know die treating people um i think there is refreshingly more and more women who uh want to collaborate and want to lift each other up um but, you know, there's a reason why Gossip Magazine sells. So I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you probably hear a ton about, you know, the mean stuff and not enough about the good stuff. But there's definitely, 
lots of women um, that I'm fortunate to know and um, definitely a changing tide of people being like, how can I help you? How can you help me? Let's, you know, band together. So that's been refreshing because it certainly was a lot worse off, you know, years ago. You know, one thing also I think that I I look at your designs and I absolutely love them. I have so many of your purses, your dresses, um, but I I see other, you know, kind of fast fashion brands can knock them off and things. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're in the entrepreneurial space, you get a great idea and someone else can knock you off because you're a small fish in a big pond. So um, I guess for girls who are looking to grow their business, who have experienced things like that, whether it's, you know, ideas kind of being capitalized on by someone else or a design that's being you know, by an, by an Instagram star that's being copied by a brand. What advice do you have for them on on dealing with the situation and, and the feelings that come along with that? I mean, there's nothing that'll change the feelings that come along with it. It's just going to suck no matter how you slice it. Um, I think there's, you know, assessing how much time and money is it going to cost you to fight these people and are they way bigger than you that you'll never win? Um, and then just being creative and coming up with something new or, you know, there's a lot of ways that people can go about calling out other people now that um, really get a lot more attention and hurt hurt the, you know, the other brand, whether it's Diet Prada or Refinery. You know, I think those people will always support a young up-and-coming brand that maybe has been taken advantage of. So I think maybe it's not a lawsuit, but it's a public embarrassment um, that sometimes is more effective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of on that topic of, of the feels, um, you know, one thing that we like to talk about on the podcast is not everything is glossy and, you know, there's different facets to life. And, um, you know, we all experience failures. And even though it's hard for me sitting here talking to you now to imagine you facing a failure, um, what is a failure you faced? And when it happened, how, how did you handle it? And how has your approach to failure changed over the years? Well, I think that we all should start off by knowing that you are going to fail all the time. And failure is not something that goes away when you become bigger. And in fact, the failures are much bigger. So I think that you should know that it's part of it. And you need to take that failure and go, like, what can I learn from this? And how can I change? And what good can come of it? So you, you can't get stuck in it. You can't wallow in it. And that's easy to say, but... You know, the best thing you can do when you fail is be like, all right, what's the lesson learned? How do I shift? How do I change? What went wrong? And how do I keep this from happening again? And I think the more you do that, it, it becomes like a, a muscle that gets easier to use. Um, and then you can snap out of it a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, it was, you know, your whole week is ruined. And what am I going to do? And I can't sleep at night. And, you know. And you, you get better at it, and you're like, okay, the next hour or whatever the problem is, however long it takes to handle, is going to not be pleasant, but it's not like the world is ending. I think I realized, you know, last year, like, everything can go to hell and, and shit, but no one can take my family away from me, and that's the most important thing in my life, right? So, like, mm-hmm. okay, so what? throw throw out the worst that can happen, because if, that, if they, no one can take my kids and my husband away, then I'm good. So I think you have to also sort of know, like, we're all playing a game and we're not curing cancer mm-hmm. and no one, you know, no one's getting injured by what you do physically. So, you know, sort of put it within that, that lens of, you know, it can't be that, 
it's bad, but it can't be worse than a lot of other things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes to show that balance, too, you know, that, that it is important to have that life at home and that safe space where you can go and be with your family. And um, I've noticed this trend where a lot of women who I interview no longer talk want to talk about work-life balance. They're like, oh, it doesn't exist. We don't, we're over it. We don't want to talk about it. But the more that I grow in my career, I feel that it's something that's still there. And I feel like I need to kind of diversify where my time is spent. I need to throw myself into my career, but equally as much into my family and my time at home. So is that something that you would say is is fair of how you look at things as well? Or what are your thoughts on the work-life balance conversation? There's no such thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that balance is a terrible word um, that someone made up. Um, I think that probably balance is something that was achieved when you left work um, and there was no, you know, no internet. And so no one could find you and bother you um, <laughs> and you couldn't bother others um, but I think that with today this, you know you have to look at your at your life and your work and your personal as just like one continuous circle and try and figure out what your boundaries are mm-hmm. not that it'll ever be perfect um, and you have to really know like your boundaries are for you, not what you, not what someone else has, not what you think they are on Instagram, and really try and create your life around what's your comfort level, um, because everyone has different comfort levels and, and areas, you know, someone might want more self-care. I put off, you know, self-care because I'd rather be with my kids. So mm-hmm. the sacrifices that you have to make, um, but they should be for you and, you know, make yourself happy or not what you think someone else is doing. So you would advocate for boundaries over balance. Correct. Absolutely. So as this phenomenal businesswoman, um, what is a lesson that you've learned along the way that you feel has changed the way that you approach your work? Approach it with um, the idea that I, not that I thought I ever knew knew anything, knew everything, not that I thought I knew everything, um, but that now I don't know anything and what can I learn from this? Um, I think that's been key because then you can, you can absorb a lot more when you don't think that you know anything about something and really um, just learn in that way. Um, and I think to find a way to balance art and commerce, I think I you know made a lot of mistakes early on trying to you know have this Oh, it's about the art. It's about, you know, um, the most beautiful, unwearable thing you could make. And I think that, <laughs> you know, had, had I just looked at, like, how can I make something beautiful that, like, thousands of people want to wear versus a beautiful piece of art that no one wants to wear. So right. I think, um, figuring out, you know, do you want to be in business? And do you want to be able to, like, pay your bills? Well, then make some really great stuff that people want. Mm-hmm. Just a simple idea, just simple stuff like that. Um, what are are some tools and resources that that you love with so many parts of you and so many things that you're constantly staying on top of? Um, what do you use to help keep your sanity? Um, sleep, I would say. Um, keep my sanity. Um, I try and exercise twice a week, and so I think that's. Um, helpful. I'm sure a lot of people exercise more than that, but that's about all I can get to. I think taking a walk, you know, without your phone, looking at people in the eye, 
looking at your surroundings is always helpful, especially if you feel like a roadblock or you feel like you're stuck. I love that advice. And what is, so one of the things I like to ask on the podcast is um, this idea of what is something that you want to learn more about? I would love to learn more about, um, and, you know, understanding, I guess, analytics in a, in a way that, you know, the people that live and breathe, like, the analytics and the idea behind launching something. I met, I met a girl recently who was responsible for the launch of some very successful brands and the strategy that went into doing that and the, and the, this is when I do this influencer and this is when I tap into this community and this is how I build, you know, this retail strategy uh, was really fascinating. So I guess figuring out how that works um, in, a, in a more expert way is something I'm definitely interested in. Absolutely. I love that idea. Um, so one thing that I like to do at the end of an interview is ask some quick hit questions. So I would love it if you would fill in the blank with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first one, I'd love to grab coffee with. Um, I would love to grab coffee with Trump and give him my ear. About many, many things. <laughs> I like that clever answer. Um, my favorite saying is? Um, that no is just the beginning of yes when it comes to people closing the door career-wise. I can't live without. My children. My favorite way to unwind is? Um, a glass of wine with a great view. And finally, I feel my best when? Um, on a bike ride by the beach after a nap. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, Rebecca, I just, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, we love what you're doing. We've been huge fans of yours. I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, and, and one thing is I picked up uh, Jacqueline Johnson's book, Work Party, which you had referenced her earlier in the conversation. And one thing I'm dying to know is, is when can we expect to read a book written by you? You know, someone recently asked me that question and I told them, you know, maybe the book will come out of this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I think in, in being able to interview all these women, I think there's definitely some seeds there of something that could be a book, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to see. Well, we can't wait to wait and see with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of I Want Her Job, the podcast. We rely on word of mouth to grow. So if you like today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. And for more I Want Her Job 24-7, visit us at IWantHerJob.com.